Oh, what a joy to be here. How fun is this? And all the amazing, talented people who've worked hours and hours to make all these amazing things. I love that there's macrame. Yay. Yay. It's like us old ladies, we remember that. <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. Thank you so much, Denise, for inviting me to be here. I mean, just being with ladies for a whole evening like this and talking about what we're going to talk about and singing about, you've heard the message already in in the songs, and um, it's great how he does that. We learn so much from the songs and the worship that we sing, and at Christmas time, it's all about Jesus. Now, I do want to say one other little thing is I do go out and do these dental mission trips, and if there's any of you who are a dental personnel or um, have the guts to do it and want to learn how to do it, just talk to me afterwards. You never know what God can do with a woman who is willing to just walk by faith. And so I don't know how to do this. Yes, I've been a dental assistant, but I don't have x-ray vision. I don't know how to pull a tooth. I don't know how to do a filling. I don't know. But God does. And what he needs is this. He needs hands to work through. And when you can say, it's not about me, it's about you, God, then um, he can do that. Now, I just got to, I've been waiting for over two years to be able to go into the jail in our, in our city and to start teaching Bible studies to the ladies there. So I'm just going to unashamedly ask you to pray for me on Sunday evenings. I don't know my schedule. I don't know how, when they're going to fit me in there, but... This is a captive audience. <laughs> these, these, are, these, are, these are women. These are somebody's daughters. And somebody's been praying for them, for somebody to go in and talk to them. And I want to be that person. I don't know what I'm going to say. I've prepared messages, but I don't know what I'm going to say. What do you say to somebody who's in jail? Well, that Jesus loves them. He cares. He's with them. He's for them. And they just got to turn to him. So pray for me on Sunday nights for the next few months. Could you kind of do that? Could you put that, on your, put that on your calendars to pray for me on Sunday nights when I go in and just teach and share the love of Jesus with them? But you did see I have a little book. Many, many years ago, I came and did a retreat for Denise and for Cheryl. And um, we did it all on, not on all the names, but we did it on the significance of the names that God has revealed himself through the names, through the word. When we come across a description of him, it's a name. We have the description, but it's actually a name. So we spent that whole retreat talking about the names and the significance about that and how, how he's enough for all of us, and he's demonstrated that through his name. So I have a small little devotional. It only goes through 13 of the names, but it takes you from... From the 13th of December, so in a few more days, there's actually a few little, um, you can make your own ornaments, put the name on that, or get some other ones, or buy some leather pieces, or some macrame, and write the names on, and hang them up on your tree. But it's just a great devotional to draw your heart to the name above all names, which is Jesus. And so we're going to go into the Word of God. I'm going to be mainly in the Gospels. Because that's where the Christmas story is. And you know from year to year, 
It's the same story. Now, how am I going to make this any more interesting than it already is? Because it's high drama. This is a high. This is better than any Hallmark movie. This is better than any thriller. This is better than any sci-fi because there's some interesting things that happen. But this story is so amazing, and I just want to remind you of it. I just want to get you into the story so that you know why we're in this story and what's so significant about it. Because I always wonder. Is God really in the details? Does, he, does it really matter to him about those minor things, or is he just the God of the big stuff? You know, the, the big world events, the things that happen, um, the big picture, like those major issues that are happening in the world, or does he really involve himself in the details? How much should he really be involved in that? How much should he, could he, would he, or... Or do we, do we think he should? So I want you to see, I don't want to say new things, but I want you to maybe see them in a fresh way. That's my prayer, and that's been my prayer for you since May when Yvonne asked me if I could come. And I said, I would love to come. I don't know what I'm doing in December, but sure, I'll come. It's Christmas, I'll come, and I'll share the message that God has put on my heart. So I'm going to pray just a quick prayer for you. And I want, I want you to, in this moment of prayer, just open up your heart and your mind to what the Holy Spirit is going to want to say to you that's fresh for you tonight and in this Christmas season. So let's pray. Father God, I pray that right now that you would open up our hearts to this message, open up our mind to hear and receive. And I pray that my sisters would be all excited, excited all over again and be amazed at how you thought of everything. And how you care about everything. And you care about her. You care about us. You care about me. So Lord, would you do that by your Holy Spirit tonight, right now, right here in 2022. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes we think, and sometimes I think, I'll make it personal here, that God really does he really, does he really care about insignificant little me? I'm not a mover and a shaker. I'm not a world changer. I'm not out there demonstrating. I'm not out there doing major things that are going to change, you know, world events. Does it, does it really matter who I am? Does, it really, does God really care about these things? You and I are gathering information all the time about who God is through teaching you here, through worship you here, through your own experience, through other people's experience. We're gathering information about who God is. And we know a lot of stuff about him. But does he really care about somebody like me? Does it really matter to him who I am, what I do, where I live, what I do in the day-to-day? I really think that if we knew how much he cared about us, we would think very differently about a lot of things. 
And I think that tonight I want you to see that he took a fairly insignificant life, little Mary, and did something extraordinary through her life. Mary in the Bible, the one we know, and we call her the mother of Jesus because she was. She was the mama of Jesus, and she had to deal with the same kind of stuff that all mamas do today and have been doing ever since there were mamas, and that is to raise these kids to hopefully be good adults. You know, somebody asked my son, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You want to be a man. You want to be a man when you grow up. Does anybody know who that is? That's Ken Graves. He's out on the East Coast. But that's what he says to all men. What do you want to be in real? You should say, I want to be a man. Well, when we raise our kids, we want them to be strong, confident adults that understand and know who God is. We want them to know as much as we know about who God is so that they can make their informed decisions. Well, Mary in the Bible was going that we know about was going to radically have her life completely changed in just a few moments. Just, I mean, she was going to have a baby. That wasn't the big thing about having a baby. She was probably thought, I'm going to have a lot of babies. You know, I'm hopefully going to have a lot of babies. But not quite when she thought she was going to have a baby. That was not, she had made a plan with her boyfriend and her betrothed, as it's called, they had made a plan. And then, then God directed the steps. And he did it quite differently from what she thought was going to happen. You know, God has a tendency to do that. Have you ever noticed that? No. Have you noticed that? I've noticed that. He does all the time. I make a plan and he directs the steps. Paula, who I brought with me, she goes with me on these dental trips, and I went to uh, Kenya, and I had three bags that didn't make it the whole entire trip. Then there's God. And God did not not treat people because of my stuff wasn't there. I thought I was completely done. I thought my instruments are gone, all my supplies are gone. I think I'm done. And then they show up, you know, at my house later on, several weeks after I got home. And I said, okay, I'm not done. I thought I made a plan that when I don't have these instruments, because they could be taken at any time, at any place, anywhere, when I don't have them, I guess I'm done. Mm -mm. That was my plan, not God's plan. But how he often changes our plans, changes the direction and oftentimes does that little, you know, that little sign you see sometimes out in the road where it says detour? Well, that detour is for you to take so that you get to where you need to go. When God puts up a sign detour in your life, take it. See where he's going to take you. It's going to be different. It's going to be adventurous. It's going to be completely not what you and I thought he was going to do. But that's because he's God. He gets to do this. He gets to redirect our steps to fit into his plan. And then I say, well, why does he tell me to make a plan? Why does he tell me to make a plan? So that he can direct those steps. And so that he can show me 
even though you might think you're coming up with the best plan ever, I'm still in charge here. And how many times do I need to hear that? All the time. You're not in charge here. I am. Just follow my lead. Well, the angel shows up. Let's get into this story. The angel shows up. Now, she didn't realize what was going to happen. But they were so aware of what could happen to anybody. That somebody somewhere in time and history is going to give birth to the Messiah. Somebody somewhere would be chosen. And at this point in Mary's little life, I keep thinking how little she is. I keep thinking she's like, yay high. Not as these beautiful tall girls were over here, but just a yay high little Mary in the Middle East um, is visited by an angel. And the angel shows up and he gives her the plan. It's not like he came in and he said, okay, Mary, tell me your plans because we're going to make some changes to it. No, he basically said, this is the plan. We know that you're betrothed. We know you've got plans, but this is how it's going to happen. She wanted to know. She seemed okay and fine with it, but what did she ask? How, how, how's this going to happen? How... And, and when I, she realized, I know I'm not pregnant now. I know that for a fact, because that hasn't happened yet. But tell me how this is going to happen. Now, I like that about Mary, because Mary wanted to know. Mary wanted to know, God's going to do something here, and I think I'm okay with it. But can you give me some details? Can you give me some minor details? Um, I get the major one. Something pretty amazing is going to happen because he tells her who this baby is going to be. But she still wants to know how is this going to happen. So he basically tells her how it's going to happen, this overshadowing, you know, this holy one and this and that. And she goes, hmm, okay. And then he adds a minor detail. You have read it, I have read it over and over and over again. I did not know until this year that this was the clincher. I'm like, how did I miss this? How have I heard message after message on Christmas and I never got this? Do you know what it is? He tells her something that seems very insignificant, but is a major part after he tells her, yeah, you're overshadowed and the Holy One and this and that, then he throws out there, get this, Elizabeth, your cousin. She's pregnant. She's six months along. After that little tidbit of information, she's like, I'm all in. I got it. I sure, yeah, let's do this. I'm, I'm all for this. I'm in. And off the angel goes. And I'm like, Mary, that's all it took? That little piece of minor detail that Elizabeth, your cousin, your elderly cousin Elizabeth, who everybody knows have been waiting for a pregnancy to happen, is going to have a baby? That's what she needed to hear. How, how come he didn't lead with that? You know, how come he didn't say, hey, I got some news for you. Your cousin Elizabeth, she's pregnant. 
and you're going to be pregnant soon too. You know, then none of this questioning, none of this, but that minor detail that she needed at that moment to be all in and say, let it be done to me according to your word. I'm in. Count me in on this. God, I don't know all the details, but I know if, if Elizabeth can get pregnant and you allowed this to happen and you did it in your timing, I guess I'm okay with how you're going to get me pregnant. doesn't matter. What is it, ladies? What is it that's the clincher for you? What is it that you need to hear for you to trust God fully, 100%, completely say, with God, all things are possible. Who, who would know that? Who would, who, what is it that I am waiting for so that I never will doubt him again? Because she knew that the whole family had been waiting and wondering, why is Elizabeth barren? Her husband and they are such a godly family. Why do they have to have this happen to them? Through the angel, Mary was given what mattered, what was needed for her to know that God could do something above and beyond what she could have ever imagined. How is this going to happen? Well, it's going to happen like this. Okay, I'm not sure if I get it. But okay, with God all things are possible. For with God nothing will be impossible. He says that to her, and she's all in. What does Mary do next? Well, she calls Elizabeth, and she says, Are you really pregnant? How come we haven't heard about this? Why, girl? Why are you not telling? Oh, no, she didn't call. She, she went over there, and she wanted to see for herself. She wanted to hang out with her cousin, because this was a little precarious situation for Mary. And she wanted to go hang out with her cousin Elizabeth and eat strange food and laugh at each other's bellies and, and, and praise the Lord together and talk about their pregnancy. This was significant. This was wonderful. And there was a, there's a really great moment in there where Mary walks in to Elizabeth's where she's standing and the baby leaps and she realizes Yes, this is, this is special. This is unique. This is wonderful. These are great stories. This is so much better than, than the Hallmark movies that you're planning on watching, you know, when you don't have it. Read the Gospels. Put those pieces together. So this story continues, and there are so many minor details strewn amongst the major ones in this story. One major thing happens. Remember this in the story? There's going to be a census. That means we've had census here in California and America. But we, there's a census, and you're like, what's the significance about the census? Well, they're living in Nazareth, and they had to go somewhere else to be counted. Where did they have to go? To Bethlehem. That's how God got them from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem so that they could be there because somebody had to be born in Bethlehem. So timing is everything. Getting this pregnant woman, I kept thinking, are, are, is Corey, are, are you going to be okay up here on stage, Corey? Is the baby coming tonight? Probably not. She's got, she's got a few more months left. But, 
But timing is everything, and to time their travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem was critical. It's a major detail for prophecy to be fulfilled. Now, God, in his amazing, unique way of weaving things in and out of our lives at the right time, how he does it, we don't know, but he does, and we're amazed at it. And this story continues with all these major and minor details um, because Bethlehem means house of bread. Okay, follow me on this one. If Jesus the Messiah, the manna from heaven, as it talks about in the New Testament, is to be born in the city, which means house of bread, then it was critical for this prophecy to be fulfilled for him to be born in Bethlehem at the time. Now, Bethlehem is just right outside the city walls of Jerusalem. It's by the city of David. And in this city of David right now is one of the most amazing archaeological digs happening right now. They found more of the city of David, more of this part of the, the edge part of Bethlehem, the city of David. That's where they had to go. That's where they had to be counted for the prophecy to be fulfilled. Under the parking lot, which was a parking lot for many, many years, they've discovered more of this city. So they've ripped up the parking lot. And you can walk through the ruins. And I walked through the ruins and I picked up a little piece of pottery because I thought maybe this piece of pottery was part of a water jug that maybe was used to help Mary after the birth. I mean, I, don't, I couldn't really imagine it being the water that she needed during birth, but maybe afterwards for something. So I held on to that piece because it's only about 3,000 years old, you know, and... and it was around for a long time, but if this little piece of pottery could speak and say what it had done in this city at that time. So off they go to be counted. They had to be counted. What's so important about that? Well, it wasn't the counting. It was, it was this Caesar Augustus that wanted the world to be counted in his area, so they had to go. And they went. Not questioning, not knowing the prophecy, not knowing about that. They went. Now, you and I read this story, and we think they get to Bethlehem. And we think, God's got it all figured out, right? He's got it all planned out. And they can't find a place to give birth to this baby. We're like, okay, God, you, you've done everything. You've planned everything so perfectly. Did you forget God? to make this reservation for them so that she could give birth in a cozy, warm place. This is the birth of all time. And you don't have a place for them, God? I know there's no one in this room who has ever thought that God forgot anything. I, I know I haven't. Sometimes, ladies, we can look at a story like this and we can say, God, did you, did you really mean for the woman that you chose that's carrying the son of the Most High God that she wouldn't be able to find a place to give birth? Is this really how you wanted it to be, God? 
Now, where does it say that in the prophecies? Now, this was just a whole little part. And I, and I think about that, and I was wondering, did Mary, did she feel abandoned? Did she feel like a victim? Did she feel forgotten? Did she blame God for not taking care of this seemingly important aspect of this world-changing event? And then you and I think, hmm, what if Jesus was born at your house? You know, what if Jesus decided that your place would be the place where he would want to be born? Instant celebrity status, right? Instant. I mean, you would have people lined up down the block wanting to see your house and wanting to be in. I think God, in his wisdom, knew it wasn't so significant where he was born as when he was born. He was going to be born. He was going to enter the stage, the world stage, at a particular point in time in history. Where it happened wasn't significant. Paula was telling me that they went to Bethlehem um, in Israel just a few weeks ago, a month ago. And there's a cave there, and there's a big church over it, and this is where they think it happened. And, and, you know, it draws a lot of people. And she said she went there, and she says, Nah, I don't think it was here. I don't think it was here. You get the feel that, nah, it's not so important. But in and all this, was Mary upset? Have you thought about this? Was Mary upset? Was she bummed? What do you think? Think about it. Would you be upset? Who would you blame? (laughs) Joseph, what's going on here? Joseph, have you? No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this about Mary. I don't think she was upset. I think she was wondering. I think if we could maybe act like Mary in, that, in a situation like that and say, I wonder how God's going to fix this. I wonder what God's going to do in this situation. I wonder how God's going to solve this problem. It wasn't really her problem. It wasn't really Joseph's problem. This was God. God was sending his son to be born, and it wasn't significant where he was born. And I bet Mary basically said, I think a stable will do. I think we're okay with that. Let's move on. Let's keep going in this wonderful story. Maybe as God thought through all this, more of her heart would be revealed to us. We are not into Mary worship. We are not into venerating her, exalting her more than she needs to be. But I think this is significant. I think we can learn something from her, that she was chosen not because she was perfect, but because she was available. And she was willing to be used by God. So you and I, you and I can see this woman and we can say, great, she's used by God. Things did not all work out the way she wanted it to. Why do we think things should work out so perfectly for us? Why do we think when God has his hands all over our lives that there should be no problems? Where did we get that misconstrued idea from? We need to erase that and say, if Mary had to give birth in a stable, I can fill in the blanks. I think we can see a lot from her. 
This is what it says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, 22 and 23. It says this, And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. All this was done. All the details came together as God planned. All things were fulfilled. All things would change. All things would forever be different because of this birth. All things that were prophetic had been taken place in this now. How great it would have been to have been there. Can you just imagine the social media around this? And this would have been a fantastic story to put on Instagram right next to my Maranatha Monday thing that I put out every Monday just to remind people that Jesus is coming back. But I kid, you know, I kid. But I think, how many followers? How many followers would there be? We've got a whole room of followers right now. We're followers because God did something so unique. And he said, follow me. He was the original one who started the following. You followed him. And then in this room are many followers of Jesus. What just happened about 2,000 years ago changed history for mankind forever. And this is what it says in Isaiah. You know this very well, but let's refresh our memory. The prophet Isaiah said this in chapter 9. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. Jesus is his name. That is the name, ladies, above every name. The Messiah, the deliverer of slavery, the redeemer of debtors, the restorer of brokenness, the healer of diseases, the comforter of the depressed, the counselor of the desperate, peace giver to the weary. I don't know where you're at today. Mighty to the oppressed, father to the fatherless, Ruler of all governments. This is who we're waiting for now to come back. This is who we long for. This is who sets everything right. When he came this first time, he started something that would change eternity forever. And you and I are the evidence of a message that he came to deliver, that we need to follow him. The angel talked to Mary about this government, talked to Mary about a king, that there would be no end. Mary knew these details. Do we ponder these things in our heart in the same way that she did, where she took it all in and she lived in light of what she knew about him? It changed her. Emmanuel, God with us. But the name that the angel told her to give was Jesus, a very common name. A gift is given, and that gift was a person. 
God's son. This is the one and only gift, ladies, that keeps on giving. Every day, someone accepts this gift. Every day, someone says yes to receive this gift. And I hope that everyone in this room has made that decision to receive the gift that was given. If not, think about it, because I'll give you an opportunity at the end of this message to receive that gift. This gift is the only gift that keeps on giving. Because if you give it to somebody, then they can give it to somebody, and they can give it to somebody. This is the best gift under the tree that has ever been. This is the best gift that you can give to anybody. This is a transformational gift. It outlasts the very temporary joy when you open that wonderful gift under the tree that somebody thought about and is is giving you. Um, This gift will outlast all the other gifts. Do we treasure it? Do we value what we have? Do we want to give this gift to others because we recognize the value that it has? When we do that, we exalt it. We raise it to its pl- the place that it needs to be. You don't outgrow this gift. You can't return it. You can't. You, it has benefits beyond what you and I even realize. Ladies, we are the recipients of the best gift that was ever given. There's, bless you. Has there ever been any other gift so thought of, so planned out, so intentional. I like the way Denise said that her shopping is intentional. Do we intentionally give Jesus at Christmas to others? Are we looking for ways? This major detail, the birth of Jesus, changed Mary's life. The gift of life is what she was given. The gift of life is what we've been given. So let me recap this and wrap it up for you and put a nice bow on it. Are you still with me? It's a little bit darker over in certain pockets. I can't see your eyes, but I see some of you. And I just want you to get this because I want this message to be yours this Christmas. If somebody tells me, what did you do on Friday night? Let me tell you what I found out. Let me tell you the story about Jesus. God was with Mary this whole time. The angel even said to Mary, when you go home and you read the story before Christmas, that the Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women. But now he would literally be in her (laughs) in pregnancy and be with her day in and day out. He was in her relationship with Joseph, working things out, because he was not too happy about the situation. He was like, um, maybe I'm not in on this anymore. Maybe I should just put her away somewhere. And that's not what happened because there was another angel discharged to go and talk to him and tell him what he should do. Because God cared about him and cared about the details. So God is in those details, in this drama, in this story, and as you read it, you will see it, because there is a lot of angels that need to be coordinated. Now, you think putting on an evening like this takes some time and effort, and Yvonne has been super busy, and all the people doing everything, and all the men standing in the hallway, I see you over there, (laughs) got eyes on you, he's waving, (laughs) and 
And the, the thing about this is that, is that the timing was so perfect. You know, it's like, okay, you angel. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Now go, go to Joseph because he's about to make a really bad mistake. And now you angels over here, you guys need to start practicing because you're going to go down and start singing to these shepherds. But keep on practicing. Oh, and one of you is going to have to give the details about the swaddling clothes. Don't forget the details about the swaddling clothes because someone's going to have to tell the shepherds about that. So it was all this directing traffic for everything to be set in place and to work together. Does God care about the details? Yes, he does. Why do we think he doesn't care about the details in my life? He does. He is an equal opportunity carer of all the details in my life and your life. And we need to see that he is so good. So there's so much drama in this story that needs to be put together. So many angels. God was with them on their journey to Bethlehem. How many times you say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Was her water leaking? How are your contractions? What's happening? How are you doing? How's it going, Mary? And now there's no place for you. But God was with them. He is not a God who holds us at arm's length, ladies, and says, I'm afar off from you. He's the God who pulls you close and says, pour out your heart to me. Tell me what's bothering you. As if he doesn't know, but he knows that we need to get it out. And he cares that you get the things out that are on your heart and mind. He does not keep us at arm's length. God was on the journey. God was there. And when the word became flesh and blood and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, this wild, this transcendent maker of the universe, was not just now over humanity. He was going to be alongside humanity. He was going to come and dwell among us. Do we understand that? Do we recognize How powerful a message that is to give somebody that God did not want to be distant. He wanted to come close. Real flesh and blood. That's the message. He came. He is with us. He is for us. Let heaven and nature sing all about it. Emmanuel has come to us. God was present then and is present now by his spirit, not in some imaginary fantasy way where you can't comprehend it. No, it doesn't make any sense to the mind. You're not supposed to comprehend all the small little fine nuances, but you're supposed to get it, that he's got it, and that he is giving it to you in the way in which you can take it in. That's what the disciples of Jesus thought when he... He told them that he had to go back. I got to go back, guys. But I'm going to leave you something better. And they're like, what do you mean better? You're with us. 
You're here with us. You're going to go and you're going to leave us something. Yes, I'm going to leave something that can be inside you. God was over. God was with. And now God can come inside and be with us all the time. Not just in the presence where Jesus is when he walked on this earth, but in our hearts, in our lives, in our messes to give us a message of hope for others. Just like Mary, I want to ask those questions. How does this happen? Give me more details. And we look to those, and we know, for God so loved the world that he gave. And then he kept on giving and giving and giving. That he had the best plan ever that involved him letting his son go to us giving us his only son, the son of God from heaven to earth, born of a virgin. We know all this. And then, if and when we believe he did it for me, my eternal destiny is changed forever. Forever changed. Bless you. Forever changed in that we know, we should know that we know, that we know where we belong and to whom we belong. This makes all the difference, ladies. This this can mess with your mind, but it's supposed to help you you that you get this and understand it, that your eternal destiny, you will not die without the secure hope of heaven. How great is that? I will know where I belong. I belong in heaven. This earth is not my home. I get to have an amazing Christmas evening with you, ladies. And if when we drive home tomorrow, he comes back for us because he's coming, then then that was it. That was it for this life. How do I want to live in light of eternity? It's all in the major and in the minor details that make the difference. Are we looking Are we watching, what is God doing now? Or are we, what is God doing now? There's a difference. Did you see the difference? I tried to make it very obvious. Did you see the difference? Jesus told his disciples to go and tell others about him. Teaching them to observe all things that he had commanded them. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go do this, he said. Jesus said of himself to the disciples in the Gospel of John. This is what he says. Of himself, God did not send him into the world to condemn or judge the, judge the world, but to save the people of this world. How many people out there today think that they're being judged? A lot of them. Do you know that you have a verse to say that God did not send his son Jesus to the world to judge the world? No, he said that he would save the people. Save the sinners who know that they need a savior. Then he went on to say, these are all verses right after John 3.16. Read John 3.16 and then read the following verses. It's amazing because that's the, that's the, um, that's the nucleus of, of, our, of the gospel right there. So he says this. He says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Is not condemned. But anyone who doesn't, they have already 
judged themselves for not believing in God's one and only Son. And you say, well, how and why? How? Well, let's keep reading. I'm glad you asked. If you keep reading in verse 19, after 16, 17, 18 comes 19. This is it. This is the, this is it. Listen. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. So the reality is, God gave his only son so that those who choose him would not perish, die with their sins, but believing in who Jesus is, God's one and only son, not some good person, not some good teacher, not some enlightened person, but who he says he is and who God sent for our salvation. We will have eternal life with him. That's the gift of himself. When we believe in him, we believe in the eternal life that he gives. Okay, I'm almost finished. That light has a name that came into the darkness. That name is Jesus that changes everything. His light within all who believe he is the Son of God. Emmanuel, God with us. Ladies, for a moment here, we have a few pregnancies over here we know of, but let's just say we are all Marys at the moment. We are all bearers of Christ. We are all those, we are all women with this treasure in this earthen vessel so that the glory would be of him and not of us. You know God is with you. I know God is with me. You have noticed his hand upon your life. You're here right now. That's evidence that his hand is upon your life. That evidence is enough for me He is asking to be invited in to every part of your life, not just church life, but every part of your entire life. Every aspect of every hidden part of every nook and cranny of every part of your life. It's all of him for all of you. It's all of me in exchange for all of him. That's when you get to see all the minor details fall into place. You got the major one right. You're here at a place where you can hear this message and make it your own and say, I understand this, I get it. But turning everything over to him to be in control of your life. Don't settle. Don't settle, ladies, for just knowledge of him and and coming to church and and gaining more understanding, let him have it all. All the things that you're holding on to, all the control, all, how, how good, how is it working out for you con- trying to control everything? It doesn't. It doesn't work. Trust me, I've tried to control my kids' lives and it's not working. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could. They just have free will all on their own. I don't know where they heard that. But the living God will make all things possible. 
The detail is to those who believe. It's not a carte blanche. It's to those who believe that he takes a special interest and works all things together for good in your life. I don't need to know how it happens, but simply that is what you and I say. We say like Mary, we raise our hands and we say, let it be done to me. And this is what she said, behold the man made servant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. And then later she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my savior for he has regarded the lowly state of his maid servant. You and I are lowly women. God can do amazing things in and through your life on the small scale, just like in my life, on the small scale. Let him have all of you. We're going to go on after today. We're going to live out our lives the best we know how, influencing others for good, pointing them to Jesus. But if you are already a believer, reminding you that you are on your way home, you're on your way to heaven. This is not all there is. Today, in this message, a Savior is making himself known to you. And I think the most important question is this. Is God truly Emmanuel with me? Is God truly in me working out his plan that he had thought about before the foundation of this earth? Am I giving him the freedom to do everything he wants to do in my life? Or do I say, mm, nah, I don't know. Let's, do you have another plan, God? Can we redirect that? Or am I saying, let it be done to me according to your word. I am your handmaid. God with me. God with us. And he can do mighty things. So that's my question for you this Christmas. Is he with you? Then you will have a Merry Christmas. And you will know that you know that you know that nothing can take that gift away from you. And we're going to sing a song pretty soon. Oh, there you are. Perfect cue. And I just want to pray for you because I think that there might be some of you who might have, and I'm just going to say this in the least... um, abrasive kind of way, some of you have maybe walked away from him and maybe kind of cooled off a lot on your fervor of letting him be God in all of your life. Because life is hard and it's going to be harder if I let God do it. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not going to be harder. It's going to be that determined effort that I want God to do all that he has planned to do in my life from this point on out. And I can surrender to him and I can give it all up to him again and say, I'm sorry, I took back the reins and I, and I, really, and I really want to give them back to you, God. You can do that tonight. But for a moment, I just want to speak to those of you ladies who might not have ever, really ever given your life to him and said, come into my life flow into my life, be my life, be the one who rescues me from myself and from, from my plans and my, my sin that lays in the way of this relationship. 
That might be you. Maybe somebody brought you. Maybe somebody invited you here. And that's who you need to talk to afterwards. Or come up and talk to me or Denise. We'd love to talk to you. But let's pray right now. And I think if you are that person, let's all close our eyes. And if you are that person that you know that tonight is the night that this sinner knows that a Savior came into this world to save me. And I want to follow him till the day he comes for us. If that's you, you can raise your hand and I will pray for you. And I will recognize that God knows that you are going to be here tonight. I see several hands. What a blessing. What an important blessing that you decided to come here and that you heard this message and that you knew that tonight would be something different. So I'm going to pray for these ladies. Lord, I lift them up to you and I just say, receive them as new followers of you, as women who who um, have done it on their own and now they want you to do it. Lord, would you take them and would you make your dwelling within them by your Holy Spirit. Fill them up to overflowing with yourself. Lord, let it just be a day of rejoicing. Let the people that brought these ladies know that, that this was right, this was good. Lord, thank you for saving them to the uttermost that you will never leave them now. You are Emmanuel, God with them for all eternity. And one day they will see you face to face. So Lord, tonight we just thank you that there are women here in this room. And I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands because you know this is between you and God and and you've been wrestling and it's time for you to, to quit wrestling and just give up and give to him what is rightfully his. So, Lord, I pray for these ladies. I pray that they would sense just a freedom and a joy once again that they're coming back to you, recognizing you as Lord and Savior of their life. You have done so much already, but then it seemed like the faucet was turned off. So now they're coming back. And would you pour out the grace, pour out the love, pour out the joy once again because they've tasted and seen that you are good. Lord God, thank you for your message. Thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for being with me. Thank you, Lord, for these beautiful women whose lives can influence so many more lives for your kingdom's sake. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your spirit that dwells within these walls and moves amongst your people. Powerfully anoint this season of Christmas in this place, Lord. And then take this message and make it their own. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you've done. As we celebrate your birth, as we celebrate this one birth that changed all eternity for us, thank you for what you did. And when we meet Mary and when we get to talk to Joseph and when we get to see them, Lord, What a joy it's going to be because we know their story, but we want to hear all the things that we didn't know. Thank you, Lord, for being here tonight with this message that you are with us even to the end of the age.